What's up, guys? I'm doing the intro for this podcast on the roof, standing next to a couple of McQuay chillers. You can hear them humming away in the background. I thought I'd give it a little bit of a natural feel. Usually I sit in my truck, nice and quiet with the headset on and do these things. But I'm on the job site, I'm busy. Um, this is what we do, guys. We stand in front of equipment in this heat and we fix it. We get our customers on board, we get them happy. It's 90 degrees outside right now. Um, luckily I'm standing in the shade. I got a big pump house here. It's blocking the sun for me, but when I step out of the shade, it's hot as F. So. Guys, be proud. We work in this heat outdoors most of the time, sometimes inside. I'm going to speak to a gentleman today on the podcast, young dude, Jonathan Abraham. He's from Florida. We're going to talk about him, himself, starting a business in the state of Florida. You know, in Florida, it's hot. It's 90 degrees on average from May to September. It's very, very humid. It's a tough climate to work in. Um, and there's a lot of techs that follow the HVAC know-it-all project on different platforms that are from Florida. So I thought it would only be fitting to speak to Jonathan regarding his work, his business in the state of Florida. So let's get to that, guys. Jonathan Abraham from Florida coming up. This is the HVAC know-it-all podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. So none of this would be possible without the help from my sponsors. You guys are awesome, love you guys. Testo, Yellow Jacket, Refrigeration Technologies, Armstrong, Field Pulse, TrueTech Tools. If you wanna to save on tools, save 8% at truetechtools.com with promo code KNOWITALL at checkout on your tool purchases. Unfortunately, that excludes Fluke and FLIR, but if you wanna save on Testo, get preferred Testo pricing at TrueTech Tools. Go to hvacknowitall.com Scroll down the homepage, click on the True Tech Tools logo, answer the two questions, and when you sign in to your True Tech Tools account, you will receive preferred Testo pricing. Damn, this pump room is hot. I gotta get out of here. So continuing on the job site theme here, I'm in a mechanical room, and I wanted to touch on digital tools, but more specifically, digital manifolds. Now the old school thinking is, they suck. Well, guess what? Old school thinkers, you're old school thinkers for a reason because you don't want to advance your thinking. I'm sorry, but that's true. When you're in a comfort zone, you like it because everybody likes a comfort zone. Human nature doesn't want you to step outside of your comfort zone because that's change and nobody likes change. But if you don't step out of your comfort zone, you don't learn and don't progress. It's like when a new piece of equipment comes onto the market and the tech um, tells his dispatcher, oh, I've never worked on that piece of equipment, send somebody else, I don't want to go. Well, that tech that doesn't want to go, they're scared to go on that call because they're scared to fail. They're scared to learn something new because they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. So we have to get away from that thinking. Digital gauges, digital manifolds are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. They're really not. I love my compound gauges too, but when I stick my digital gauges onto a system, I absolutely love it. Here's what I did yesterday. I walk up to a machine that was having some trouble, take my Testo 557s out of the case, turn them on, set the refrigerant to 404A, no PT charts whatsoever. Zero the gauge out right from the manifold. Hook the hoses up, 
hook the temp clamps up. Right away, I have pressures. I have actual line temps. I have saturated suction temp, saturated condensing temp, superheat and subcooling all on the same screen. Unbelievable. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? So guys that are stuck on the compound gauges, if you move to a digital gauge, you have all this information on one screen. And I understand in the past I've read comments, oh, I can do simple math in my head. Okay, who cares? It's simple math. It shouldn't be a kick in the balls to let a digital manifold tell you what that simple math is. It just means that you're gonna be more efficient when you're busy, if you're multitasking, everything's there on one screen. You don't have to look down at your thermometer, then look at your gauge, pull out your PT chart. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't have to. Okay, and I've seen some techs say, listen, it's not right for apprentices to start using digital gauges. And I always thought that too, because they need to learn how to do superheat and subcooling properly. Well, they are still doing it properly. They're just reading it on a screen and they still need to know what it means. The gauge doesn't tell you what's wrong with the machine. You still have to decipher what's going on if your superheat and subcooling is not correct. So it's not a cheat. It's not a way out for a new guy. It just makes the job more easy, more efficient. So like I said, I own a Testo 557 and I absolutely love the hell out of it. It comes with an external vacuum gauge as well that you can hook up right to the digital manifold. And you can read your vacuum pressure from that same screen while you're under a vacuum. So guys, I think the digital age is not going anywhere. It's here to stay. Um, so if you're skeptical, what you should maybe do is grab a coworker set, try them out. The list of guys that were skeptical that have tried digital products now and love them keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing 20 years from now every tech's going to have a set of digital gauges in, your, in their truck I guarantee it probably even two sets so guys get on that digital train the time is here Hey, Jonathan, how you doing, man? Very good, how are you? Good, good. Okay, I appreciate, I know you had a long day, and I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Um, you doing some sheet metal today? A service call, you said at the end of the day? Uh, in the beginning, it was uh, all like new ductwork for a house. Yeah. Every ton unit and changing sheet metal to um, all flex dust. So building boxes and then running off all of our runs. You know, I got to give it up for you guys that do sheet metal because I'm terrible at it. Like I'll admit that I suck at sheet metal, but you give me a meter right. and a set, of, you give me a meter and a set of gauges and, and I'm, and I'm home free. But if you give me a bunch of ductwork and tell me to put it together, <laughs> don't, don't even bother. Cause I'm just going to turn and walk away. But I, I wanted to talk to you because you work in the state of Florida, correct? Okay, so since I started this whole HVAC know-it-all thing, I've talked to many, many techs that live and work in Florida. And it seems like there's a lot of following on my platforms from that state. And I wanted to talk to you because I haven't really had 
like a formal conversation with anybody from Florida about the type of work and how busy it is and the heat and the humidity and all that. So I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about what it's like to work in Florida and you own your own business, correct? Correct. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you about owning your own business in Florida, um, what it's like to own a business there. Um, but I'm going to start off with, with my day cause my day was, was kind of interesting. I don't know if you come across any, or you work on any low temp refrigeration stuff. Do you, do you come across that at all? No, I don't. Okay. So I was working in a pharmaceutical warehouse and there's a freezer. It's a walk-in, walk-in freezer and it's got two, um, two systems. One is primary, one is backup and every uh, PM or maintenance, we do a switchover, so they have equal run times, right? But one is one is completely redundant of the other. So if we start one, it cools the box. If we lose that one, the other one should come on, depending on the um, the set point differential on the controller. It'll it'll come on and it'll it'll maintain that box. So we've been having problems for about a month. And the last guy that was there, I was on holiday. And he went over there and he did a once over and he couldn't find anything wrong. Everything was fine at the time. And, and I went back today and I dug a little bit deeper and I put my gauges on both systems and I found that the evaporator temperature of one of them was too, was too high. Um, so basically in low temp refrigeration, you want to maintain roughly like, uh, like say you want, this box is where I'm in Canada. So, and it's a pharmaceutical, so everything runs in degrees Celsius because it's a pharmaceutical plant and we're in Canada. So it was a minus 32 box, which is about minus 25 degrees Fahrenheit. So you want about a minus 35 degree uh, evaporator. So system one had a minus 35 degree evaporator. System two had a minus 32 degree evaporator. So I had to tweak that TX valve. Um, and it's really difficult to get to the evaporator because you're on the roof working on the condensing unit and it takes actually about 15 minutes to walk across the roof, go down, <laughs> get in your truck, drive around the other side of the building, get through the biometric scanner on the door. And it, it, it's a task, right? So wow. we ended up, or I was by myself, but I ended up getting this unit going and it was running and running and running and it wouldn't cycle off. When I got the evaporator temperature right, it cycled off finally. Um, but there's something that didn't sit well with me because they were having these temperature spikes, like these weird ones out of nowhere, right? And as I'm about to leave, I kicked it. I had the defrost clock set at a different time because I was messing about with it. So I was setting it back to the right time and I was just going through the, the, the defrost um, times. And when I took it out of the last defrost as I was setting the time back, I noticed that the heaters, so what's supposed to happen is the heater um, the defrost heater is supposed to kick out the contactor and the evaporator fan is supposed to start up. But what I noticed was the heater stayed in, the contactor stayed in and the evaporator fans came on. So it was actually blowing heat into the box. And I'm like, I, I found you, got you. You know what I mean? I got this intermittent problem and I love it when that happens because I guarantee you that's what's been happening for a month. Intermittently, the heaters have been staying on, Right. And the fans are coming on and blowing the heat into the box. There's a safety built in where if the compressor pulls in, the compressor contactor pulls in, there's an auxiliary on the side of it. So that auxiliary actually breaks power to those heaters. So if the compressor's running, the heaters can never run at the same time. So there was that safety built in, but 
man, to, to find something like that at the end of the day is for me, that's phenomenal. I love it <laughs> because if yeah. I didn't find that, they would have had another problem. I'm like, Oh man, I thought that evaporator temperature, I thought I had it fixed, but finding that. And you know how you find stuff like that? It's just playing around with stuff, pushing that right. button. You know what I mean? Checking that voltage. And, and I was just playing with everything and that's how I came across it. So that was my day today. And, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So I got to get somebody back there tomorrow to change that time clock. Cause I'm busy doing some other stuff, but, Enough about me, my man. Let's get to you. Um, so what's the name of your business? Clear Springs Cooling. Clear Springs Cooling. So that kind of goes with your your um, Instagram handle, CSCHVAC. Correct. All right. So if you guys want to follow Jonathan, his handle on Instagram is at CSCHVAC. And you've been starting to post a lot more HVAC stuff recently, right? Because I notice in the, the past, it's a lot of personal stuff, but I see you're posting some more HVAC stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about, you know, what I should do in the beginning, if I should make a separate handle, but I figure might as well just do it all together. So. Yeah, man, just run with it. Yeah. <laughs> so owning a business in Florida, you guys must be busy. Yeah, I mean, uh, summertime is a, a long season. Usually, it's probably from like March to, you know, it can go all the way to October, you know, getting high temps still in the upper 80s and 90s. Yeah, so what, what kind of hours are you, are you guys working? Are you are you the only guy or do you have employees as well? So I am the only guy. Um, I, I do have other people that I work with, but it's more like... Um, with other companies or maybe just guys that um, do air conditioning, but for other companies. So whenever they're off, um, I haven't uh, gotten my first employee yet. Uh, it's kind of scary, honestly, um, pulling someone away from someone that has already a nine to five and then um, telling them, Hey, I want you to start with me, but am I going to be able to guarantee those 40 hours a week? So that's a little bit of the scary part that, you know, I'm running into right now, but, um, you know, I think I got to just take a leap of faith and even if yeah. some weeks are maybe 30 hours, um, you know, they'll, they'll be understanding. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I've had that conversation with guys about, um, like I've always thought about starting my own company, but I don't know if there's so many hoops to jump through. Like, I don't know what it's like for you in Florida, but there's so many hoops to jump through here. So many different fees and regulations and that was one of my fears. Okay. One of my fears, like my buddy's like, oh, you just hire a couple guys and you go golfing. I'm like, it's not that easy, man. You want, you want, to, run, you want to run your own business? You have to be 24-7 on it. You want it to be successful? You got to be watching it all the time. And if you hire somebody, guess what? You have to give them 40 hours a week or they're not going to stick around. So I'm glad that you said that because yeah. it's, it, it's so true. Um, I think the other thing as well is um, – also, if you were to do that, you want a guy that's just like you. And oh, exactly. Finding good technicians out there. I talked to other business owners. They're like, man, it's a, they're unicorns. It's really hard to find, you know, someone that can do what you do, essentially. You know what I think? The, the, the process that I would go through or the, the approach I would take if I was to run my own business, and it would be very, very frustrating in the beginning, um, but I would want to get my hands on a couple of young worker, couple of very young green workers that were willing to learn and willing to work their ass off. 
and then you mold yeah. you mold them into what you want and and if you treat them well you know what i mean you, you can ride them a bit because you're you're the boss and you you have to at times but if you treat them well you can mold them into the mechanic that you want because that that's essentially what happened to me i i was hired i was green as green can be when when i started in this trade i didn't know how to how to use tools at all but i was molded by um a very very hard-nosed business owner who molded a bunch of other techs who also taught me so i i was lucky in that sense but it was very stressful to go through that to go through that apprenticeship that i had you know Correct. what i mean so i mean um, i think that that route is uh, really good i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not too old i don't think i'm too young per se i'm 28 years old and um finding people that's in trade school right now that um, some people that, um, you know, might be 19, 20 years old, 21 that are uh, in trade school currently. It's interesting because I feel like, and, you know, I don't know how it was for you, but growing up, like something simple, like even getting your driver's license, for example, and this next generation, it's like, dude, they don't care about stuff like that. Like I, I'm finding a lot of people that's even in trade school, they're getting there by their parents. They don't even have their license yet. And I'm just like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like you got to go pick up your worker and then him to come and, or he has to get dropped off. Like something as simple as just having, you know, a driver's license. Um, you know, when we were, when me and my brother were growing up right at 15, we we're like, man, we got to get our learners. And 16, we're getting our license. Like we wanted to, but, feels like this next generation it's really easy to be you know have the comforts of everything at home whether it's computer social media stuff like that um it's just interesting i, I don't know if you've come across that or well, seen it, that with young people oh, oh yeah yeah I, I i've seen it a lot i i had um a co-op student in my truck about 10 years ago high school student and all he did was uh text on his phone um, actually, yeah, it was about 10 years ago, but he still had a cell phone. He was still texting, um, playing with my radio. If he didn't like a song, you know what I mean? Like just absolutely yeah. no, no respect. So I don't know what, it, and, and young guys, young guys that are listening, you guys got to throw all that shit out the window. When you, if, if you want to be successful, um, a successful worker in any industry, you can't walk in with the mentality, like you own the place. And that's how a lot of these kids, they walk in these days because I feel at home, the way kids are raised nowadays, they have this sense of entitlement. You know what I mean? So they, yeah, they, walk, yeah. they walk into a, uh, a place of business and they feel entitled. And when, when, they're, when they're shot down or they're turned down or people treat them like shit, they're like, whoa, like some, some people can't take it. And that's on the parents. If, if a kid comes home and goes, my boss is too mean, I want to quit. And their parents are like, okay, yeah, that's fine, fine. And you know what? No, man, you stick through it. You go through that mean boss because you might learn something. As long as the boss isn't physically and verbally abusing you to the point where it becomes an issue, you know what I mean? Right. You stay there and you, and, and, and you, and you ride that out. Um, but, but going back to Florida, like I pulled up some, some interesting stats, but I wanted to ask you a question. Is the Florida market in general, is it saturated with HVAC companies and HVAC technicians? I don't mean necessarily good ones, just guys that drive around in trucks and, and fix ACs. Do you have a lot of them? Right. 
Um, I would say, I would say, I, I, I don't think it's saturated. No. Um, maybe, maybe in certain cities, but um, at least where I'm at, I don't think it's saturated. I think in like South Florida, when I go to like Miami and stuff like that, I see a lot of just, you know, trucks and vans that have different HVAC names on it, but. I don't think uh, in general, overall, I don't think it's too saturated. You, you do definitely have your uh, fly-by-night companies that might be like to start up for a year or two and then, you know, make a lot of money and then go away. But um, I don't think, I don't think there's too much. I don't, I think there's, even if, you know, companies are starting every month over here, I think everyone's successful. Everyone can get a piece of the pie. Yeah. Well, this is what I was going to bring up. I, I pulled up some stats quickly. Um, so the state of Florida has a population currently of over 21 million people. All right. Um, did you know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that till about an hour ago. Um, so uh, between May and September, the average temperature in Florida is 90 degrees. All right. In major cities, yeah. in major cities um, across Florida, the average percent RH in the morning is 80 to 90%, right? So you have 21 million people, you have high temperatures um, for six months, and you have high humidities, high high humidity levels. So with that amount of people and that much heat, that's a lot of air conditioning to be serviced and to be fixed. So it surprises me that you guys aren't, aren't saturated, but at the same time, I guess it doesn't because I think the the state of Florida, the population grows quite quickly because a lot of people, even from Canada, come down there and retire and move there and live there in the winter and and stuff like that. So, I mean, you guys have a lot of work down there, right? Like just constant. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, so what about in the, what about after like October, November, when things start to cool down a little bit, do you stay busy? No, it it surprisingly get really slow. Does it? So I've been I've been doing this for like um, since 2015, uh, like full time, and there there was months like in December, November, December, or January where I didn't get one call. Wow. And you know, uh, I just got married last year, so last year, in like November, for example, last year. Um, my wife was just like, man, like, are you sure this is like a good career for you? Like, is this a good occupation? Because, uh, you know, you know, you get worried that you're like, man, once you just, you just pray that your phone's going to ring sometimes. So, um, how, I think so how, do, how do you get through that? How do you get through that period? Um, hopefully, uh, financially, you're managing your money well. So, you know, the good months during the summertime, you're not just blowing all your money and then you're able to, you know, sustain yourself, uh, through those months. And, um, you know, if a change out or something like that, replacing equipment comes along, even if you're just getting, even if you just had it once a month, you'd be like, you'd be happy with that, you know? Well, I'll tell you, um, from my experience, if you want to stay busy all year long, go ask, and these can be a complete pain in the ass, by the way, because they'll pull you out of bed at four in the morning, but go after critical, um, critical environments like pharmaceutical, like server rooms, stuff like that, because it doesn't matter what time of the year, um, time of day, it doesn't matter. 
a server room goes down, you, you got to be there. They're cooled all year long. You know what I mean? Um, pharmaceutical stuff that it, it's crazy. The amount of work you get out of a pharmaceutical, like I do quite a lot of it and it's crazy. The amount of work you get out of pharmaceutical, one little sensor goes, they're calling you. Um, and you can generate so much work from it and anything, any little repair, any improvement you can make on, on the equipment. Usually they're all for it. Um, it's good that way um, because it keeps you busy through the slow periods, but it's also, like I said, it will pull you out of bed at four in the morning. So it's, it's something you got to put on the scale, right. And, right. and see if you, if you want to manage it and if you can manage it. So, I mean, in your area, do you have anything, along those lines that that that's a critical type environment where you can keep working all year long i think that's something i need to look into the um other thing that i've been trying to get is more commercial contracts so that i at least you know every three months there's maintenance that needs to be done yep so you know changing filters belts drain lines simple stuff like that at least you have something that's some kind of revenue that you're going to get uh, even in the slow months yeah, and, and you can, I mean, if if you're well-trained and you're good at looking, um, I call it, I don't know if you've listened to my other podcast called the HVAC Sixth Sense, but I call it the HVAC Sixth Sense because it's using your senses to troubleshoot and find work, using your, your eyes to visually look at a unit. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of stuff you can see just by opening a unit cabinet and staring at a bunch of stuff. You can find the problem without pulling out your meter or your gauges. All right. You can, you can smell, you can smell burnt stuff. So you can smell refrigerant because it starts to bug your nose and my throat and my lungs. I don't know about you, but that it does, does that to me instantly. You know what I mean? You, right. you, you can hear things. You can hear if a compressor, especially if you go, like you said, um, commercial contracts, if you're there every three months and you get to learn that equipment, you can walk up onto a roof and you can listen. And you can tell if something's wrong by if a sound is different from the usual, you know what I mean? When you get there. Right. So the buildings I take care of, and here's an example for you. Um, so I was at a building last week or sorry, I was on holiday last week. So it was the week before that. Um, what had happened is another pharmaceutical building. I switched over the, the lead lag, the, the primary and secondary, the backup stuff. Right. And, and I walked into the building and the backup unit was running. And I'm like, why is the backup unit running? And I only know that because I'm there all the time and I notice these things, right? So I got right. up onto the top of the cooler and I opened up the primary unit and one leg of the contactor had burnt up. So I had to go out and get a new contact to replace it and everything was good. Luckily, the compressor was okay because it was actually hot and single phasing. It, was only, got, it only had two, two legs of power going to it instead of three. And that's why it's good for the same technician to take care of one building because if another guy was there walking through doing the maintenance, he wouldn't have known that, right? So a disaster is averted just by keeping your eyes open and your ears open. I mean, when I walk by the, mach- the, the, the walk-in, I can hear the unit closest to me start. And I know right away, that's not the unit that's supposed to be on. It's supposed to be the furthest one. Why can't I hear that so loud, right? So that's, that's the HVAC sixth sense that I'm talking about. So... I mean, when you get up onto that roof, just listen, look. And commercial buildings are great because you can find little things. You can find capacitors. You can find, um, a con- like, I don't know if you guys deal with economizers a lot, but economizer, the linkages, they always get dried up. You got to lubricate them, you know, stuff like that. 
Right. So, um, one thing I wanted to talk about. So I pulled up this stat on indeed.com. I guess they're like a job um, type search website. And it said that the average um, hourly rate in Florida is $19.21. And that is 11% below the national average. So I, I found that interesting because Florida is such a hot, a hot state. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, demand for air conditioning um, repairs and technicians. So why do you think that the rate is actually that low or 11% lower than that, the national average? That's a good question. Um, at least with my conversations with other business owners here, um, a lot of them, unfortunately aren't, and I don't know if this is just an owner thing, but a lot of them aren't really happy with, you know, their, a lot of their technicians. Okay. And, um, and I don't know if that has to do with, you know, simple stuff like, you know, time or, um, appearance or the way they talk to customers or, you know, um, just not doing a good job or being lazy. But I, if, you know, in those conversations, I just feel like they probably just don't want to pay their tax that much. Um, okay. So that that's fair enough. So they have they have the um, the power to pay their techs what they want as far as how they're working type thing. You know what I mean? There's not like a, a minimum. Right. There's not a minimum. Like, is there a uh, what do you call it? Is there a minimum uh, hourly rate rate that they have to be paid? Like a minimum wage, or is that not a thing in Florida? Minimum wage for the state of Florida, or just for techs? Um, and and ju- yeah, either or. Oh. Yeah, so the minimum wage in Florida is only like I think it's eight dollars and twenty five cents. Okay. So, essentially, could a tech be getting paid that if they're not a very good one, or a helper or something like that? Probably not a tech, but probably a helper. Okay. All right. Well, that that might drive the 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 national average down too, right? Because I don't know what yeah. minimum wage is in other states. But I mean, it's also cost of living too. I guess it's based on cost of living, and and I know that I've I've looked at homes. Like I spoke to um, Eric L. Sherman. I don't know if you know Eric on on social media, but he he's in the marine HVACing and he works on um, luxury yachts and private yachts, and he lives in the Florida area. And I was talking to him one day, and I'm like, I'm gonna Google what the cost of a home is in Florida because he's working on boats and shorts and it looks like a cool job. Right. And not like I was going to move out there or anything, but I'm like, Oh, let's see what the price of a home is in Florida. And you could get a half decent home for like $400,000 with a pool in the backyard. And, and like where I am in, in, in Toronto, like I'm in the the suburbs. Well, like I actually, I'm, I used to live in the suburbs of Toronto, but now I'm I'm further out North and the suburbs of Toronto, if you want to buy a house, that's, 2,000 square feet, you're paying a million bucks for it. Wow. Yeah, but that, that, yeah. That, that's Canadian. So we're probably talking still about $800,000 U.S., right? Correct. So, I, I yeah, mean... For, it, for 400 in Florida, you could be living in an amazing house, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that might have something to do with it, too. Cool. So, so what kind of stuff do you usually get into? Um, do you do more residential than commercial at the moment? Yeah, majority is definitely residential. Um, doing a little bit of uh, like uh, 24-hour gyms recently. Uh, doing 
some of their equipment change out and maintenance. And then also doing some uh, retail places like that have multiple units. And, you know, some businesses might rent out like five bays in one area and then some might be just two bays, but uh, all a lot of them are just rooftop units. Yep. So whether it's five ton RTUs or seven and a half ton. Cool. Yeah, and uh, the the twenty four hour gyms, you must be pulling a lot of humidity out of those places, eh? With <laughs> all the all the yeah. twenty people walking around, and plus the the humidity outside already penetrating the building. Yeah, some days you could go from zero percent humidity to a hundred percent, especially summertime. You never know uh, what it's going to be. So with with that amount of humidity in the air, do you come across a lot of frozen coils? Uh, surprisingly, uh, no, because, uh, I mean, the only situation, of course, would be with just low refrigerant, but um, a lot of units uh, down here are heat pumps. Okay. So uh, um, we don't, you don't see a lot of like, uh, you might see uh, straight cools and, you know, apartment buildings, like, you know, small square footage, 607 square feet layouts, but. Uh, most homes are running heat pumps and then you don't see a lot of furnaces. It's very rare um, unless that area has natural gas. Uh, even in, I've seen in a lot of homes, surprisingly, people don't like furnaces. Okay. You know, there's not much of a need in Florida. You might get two weeks of the year that it's cold. So people convert those into heat pumps. Yeah. Interesting. So well, a lot of, uh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, how, how, how are things in Toronto? What do you majority see? Um, well, our company, um, we work on pretty much everything. We, we, don't do, we don't do any like centrifugal chillers or anything like that. That's more of a specialty thing. But, I mean, we work on rooftops, unit heaters, tube heaters, um, little chillers, big chillers, uh, process stuff. We do process burners in some places, boilers. Uh, all kinds of stuff, man. It's such, such a variety. Like I, I have a set of customers right. that I kind of rotate through and sometimes it gets boring because you're always at the same places over and over again. And if I get a call to somebody else's building, it's an actual service call. Something's down. I love it, man, <laughs> because it's a change. I get to go, I get to go out and like today was fun because I was actually troubleshooting, but most of the time I stay on top of my maintenances and I find little problems and I fix them as I go. So the breakdowns are, they still happen, but they're when you stay on top of stuff, they're 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 less and less and less. So when you're just right. kind of when you're just kind of going around inspecting stuff all the time, it gets it gets a little bit boring. So when you get a service call and you got to drive half an hour away from where you are and you get to work on something new, it's it, it's cool. I I enjoy it. Um, sorry, what was I saying? I was I was about to ask you a question. Oh yeah, so I've seen a lot of installs in Florida that intrigue me and these are residential installs and the furnaces are like yeah. sitting sitting up on like a wooden box or or um like a drywall not maybe not drywall but like a duckboard box or something like that do you come across this stuff a lot <laughs> yeah okay can you explain um, that because I've never really understood I've, I've probably read why and, and and how but can you explain why they're sitting up on these on these boxes are they are they like upflow or downflow or they're they're upflow but okay um, what's happening is, is 
especially in like uh, residential settings where, you know, neighborhoods are coming up and there's a general contractor that, you know, has the whole neighborhood. Uh, typically, that's the easiest way to do on a new build to install a unit. So putting the air hammer unit, you know, um, vertically and then putting it on some type of return plenum, whether it's just duckboard or it's a piece of plywood. Okay. That's the, that's the easiest way. So then that return then goes inside the house. Back in the days, you might just have a, a 20 by 30 in the hallway, but with newer installs and new codes and stuff like that, you might have, you know, at least some kind of 12 by 12 in each bedroom. Mm -hmm. And then all of those, you know, runs are coming back to, a, a big box that's in the attic space and then that comes down usually in a garage sometimes it might be in a closet whether oh. it's you know upstairs or downstairs okay i i don't like it in the sense of especially when you have just that 20 by 30 you know with some kind of flex stuff you know whether it's a 16 or 18 inch and then just there at the bottom there's no other return in the house and a lot of times you see that you know if it's just a one-story house or, or two-story on the second floor because, as you know, with these newer machines, it's all about return air. Yeah. So a lot of them are not getting enough air across the coil. So I've seen also, and I believe it's Florida as well, where the, the drain, um, the condensate drain, is actually fed to the outside of the, the home. Am I right in saying yeah. that? Okay. So yeah. are, are they using a pump to, to get that up there? No, so a lot of times is uh, that's running, that's running along the foundation, so you don't even see it. So they run all this pipe and then they pour the slabs, so it's all under the concrete or you know even in the dirt. Then it comes out, and usually there's no P-trap that's right there at the air handler. They'll bring it outside and put it on the outside, you know, coming up above the ground. Okay, so this. The furnace is actually, it's not in a basement. It's on like the main floor of the home. Correct. It's, okay. It's, All right. It's not, a, it, it's, it's not a furnace though. It's just an air handler. Unit. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Heat strip. That's right. I'm confusing it. Like, because I'm thinking of, of like, see the way it's done here is most homes have basements, right? And it, yeah. it's, it's a furnace that gets installed in the basement and we put the coil above the furnace. It's not actually usually part of the air handler it's installed in the in the supply right above it right Correct. okay and then usually we have in the basement floor we have a floor drain and then we run the condensate to the floor drain and that's where our water heater is kept usually right beside it um so yeah so when i see these these installs in florida like so i guess a lot of homes in florida don't have basements is that right that's correct it's oh, very okay. very rare to see a basement in house. really i i wonder why that is is there a reason for that? Probably because of probably because of the amount of rain we get. And yeah, and yeah, and hurricanes and stuff like that. So yeah, so you'd have a real problem with basement flooding. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's why we talk to guys like you, <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> so we can learn. Because if we don't, we'll never learn anything. Because none of us know it all, right? <laughs> coming coming from a, coming coming from an HVAC know it all. <laughs> that that name's purely sarcastic, by the way. If you haven't caught on yet. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, man. I know you've had a long day and you're probably tired and we've got some good information from you. So, um, guys, like I said, you can follow Jonathan CSC HVAC on Instagram. Are you on Facebook too or anything? Uh, 
Yeah. Are you? Oh, do you? Cool. Yeah. All right. It's the same handle. CSB HVAC. Okay. Do you do you follow the um, my know it all pages on Facebook as well? Surprisingly, I I don't do too much on Facebook, but I'll get on that, man. (laughs) Well, I mean. I don't blame you if you don't, because I'm going to tell you right now, people on Facebook are mean. Oh man. <laughs> they're so, they're so have... mean people. I don't know what it is, man. I'm going to tell you right now, if you can take someone and put them on Facebook and they're an asshole and then you, they have an Instagram account and then they're cool. Like, you know what I mean? They're supposed yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Facebook, uh, as soon as you're on Facebook, everybody thinks you got to be an asshole. I think it's uh, people feel like they have more time to like type out something, maybe as opposed to being on the phone. Yeah, and um, they can they can also share comments. Yeah, they can also drop memes or or gifies or whatever to you know what I mean. Can't you right. can't do that on an, on an Instagram conversation? So okay, but, um, you, I'm sure you know nobody would ever say that stuff to you in front of you on the street. Oh my God! Never, never. <laughs> They're all telephone. I've I've seen guys and suppliers that I've talked to online, and they look at me and look away. I'm not saying like I'm scary or anything, but that's just the way people are. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the way. That's the way people are. They're all they're all brave online, but when they see you in person, they're they're freaking their balls shrink into their into their stomach. <laughs> anyway, um, I won't keep you too long, man. And and I'm glad you hopped on the podcast and. I'm glad we chatted because I did learn about some stuff in Florida and I probably taught you about the population and the average uh, hourly rate. <laughs> so when you get an, when you get it, when you get an employee, don't let them listen to this podcast. If you're going to pay them 1921, because <laughs> they're going to know that you're jipping them. I'm just kidding. Okay, buddy, you have a good night and I will, uh, I'll be following. I thought I was following you on Instagram. Um, but then I looked at your profile and it says I wasn't, but I'm sure that I had seen your posts. But anyway, I'm following you now and uh, stay in touch, buddy. Sounds good. I will, man. Nice talking to you. Okay, you too. Have a good night, Jonathan. Bye-bye. Goodbye. So what's unique about this podcast is I've done a lot of it directly from my phone on the job site, talking into my phone like I'm having a conversation with somebody. Pretty sweet. Um... That's straight up along the lines of what Field Pulse can do for you guys. From the job site, you can receive your work orders, send them back to the office, standing right beside the piece of equipment you're working on. No need to fill out a manual work order, get the customer to sign it, and then run around to the next service call for the day, or the next jobs for the day, with a whole bunch of paper in your truck. So guys, please check out fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all for your 14-day free trial. Check it out, guys. Well worth it. So that was a nice little conversation with Jonathan, what it's like to be an HVACer in Florida. I mean, it's hot. It's muggy. Right now, I'm on a roof, actually. I'm looking at the Toronto skyline, and it's very, very muggy today because the skyline is all smogged up. Very, very humid. As soon as you step outside, you're sweating buckets. And... It's weird because Toronto is a lot more north than Florida, but we still get very, very humid summers here. And we actually have a lot of condensation issues in the summer with a lot of equipment. Flooded office spaces, um, 
P-traps on rooftops not draining properly, flooding back into warehouses, stuff like that. So, I mean, believe it or not, Toronto is a very humid city in the summertime. And as Jonathan was saying, in the winter months in Florida, you might slow down. But guess what? In the winter months in Canada, in Toronto, we get the best of both worlds here. It's really hot and muggy in the summer, and it's really cold in the wintertime. So we're busy all year round. We have a bit of a slow period in March, maybe February, once, once it starts to warm back up a little bit and all the heating has been fixed and repaired and all the problems have been dealt with. We go through about a six week slow period. But besides that, best of both worlds here, man, for HVAC, hot summers, cold winters. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Again, I'm on site doing this, standing right beside a big pump house. You guys have an awesome day. Happy HVACing.